Welcome to Invest Stories. Whether you're a seasoned pro looking for that next step or a newbie investor not sure where to start, Invest Stories unlocks the mindset, strategies, and techniques of high performers across business, real estate, and investing to help you level up your journey to financial freedom. This is Invest Stories Monday Mindset. Welcome to the Investories podcast. And with me is, you thought he'd vanished. You thought he was buried under a deck somewhere. It's Carl Robertson. John, what's up, buddy? It's been hey, a while. Hey, Kyle. Yeah, Miss where have you, you been? Oh, man, we've been everywhere. It's, it's been a heck of a summer. Now kids are back yeah. in school, so same. things have really calmed down. I'm, I'm actually really excited to be back here. Just I, I've missed you, man. It's, this, is, this is always kind of a highlight of my week to be able to do this. Cathartic. It is. Yeah. We get to hammer out some, some, uh, some real estate and business type topics that I don't get to talk about with my wife so much. So yeah, this is, this is my fun time. I'm glad to be back. Oh, good. It's good to have you back. Yeah. And, and and to be fair, yeah, summer's been, we were, we were organized this summer and we batched a bunch of episodes and we recorded a few with with just me and that's the reason. So I was traveling, Kyle was traveling and, and kind of, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's weird, right? It's kind of like going back to school. (laughs) <laughs> no that's actually a pretty good way to put it and um yeah i it's i don't know i, I, I you can almost kind of got to breathe a sigh of relief when summer's over like it's fun you know but it, i mean just the pace of life is so stinking fast and then you go you know kids go back to school and you got all the all the sports stuff and everything and you're thinking oh i can slow down a little bit but then like the evening life just takes off day life is okay you know as far as business goes i i, I don't, i'm not as busy right in this time as i am during the summer but Man, yeah, the kids stuff. My kids are now at that age where my youngest is even in sports. Um, he's six and he's doing flag football. Oh, cool! And soccer, and we got like every kid in two sports, and it's just nonstop all day long, all night long. Oh, we've got that next. Yeah, my little one's uh, excited to go play soccer, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it, dude, uh, she so needs to start. To if she's going to play for England, she really needs to, to start <laughs> working on it now. The clock this, is ticking. This procrastination of not playing for England is, uh, yeah, is <laughs> under th- under fours would be an interesting, uh, interesting right. team. Uh, what was the coolest thing you did this summer? Uh, well, my wife and I we uh, we had our 15 year wedding anniversary, uh, which was in August. But we went to uh, I think I talked about this already because I have done a couple episodes since I got back. But we went over to, to Europe. Oh, yeah. And uh, and we also went to Africa, uh, specifically Morocco. And um, I don't know how up on the news everybody is, but they had that that quake which just happened. Uh, what was that about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago mm-hmm. now? And uh, so that was that was super sad because that was that was honestly the highlight of our trip. Was you know way better than France or anywhere else that we went in Europe. Uh, we loved Marrakesh, Morocco. It was just such a cool place and. 
to hear that 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 city just got decimated, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff there is just you know mud bricks and some concrete, and uh, they don't really have a super established infrastructure, you know, building codes and things like that. Everything mm-hmm. you get a good earthquake and the whole city can fall down, and which is kind of what happened, you know. It, luckily, it was it was not centered in Marrakesh; it was about forty miles south of Marrakesh. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of those uh, Berber villages just got destroyed up in the mm-hmm. Atlas Mountains, and a lot of Marrakesh got damaged. Uh, I spoke with the guy that was, he was kind of our host at our Riyadh or hotel, I guess you'd call it. And um, I, on WhatsApp, just because we had been communicating that way while I was in Marrakesh, I, I sent him a message a couple of weeks ago, the day after it happened. I said, are you okay? Is, is everything okay? Your family okay? And he replied back and said, we're safe. Um, the Riyadh is safe. However, um, nobody can go inside any buildings. We've all been living outside for the last 24 mm-hmm. hours, sleeping on sidewalks. And um, so the, the pain over there is, is real. It's kind of sad. Yeah, that's, that is sad. Yeah, I, I love that city. Um, yeah. Shout out to our European friends. Uh, you're not as good as Marrakesh. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, according to Kyle, I, I love everyone, so it's fine. Um, whatever, but, whatever. But uh, yeah, Marrakesh, it, it, yeah, go support them. And when they're open for business again, go check it out. It's kind of it's kind of like throwing yourself to a whole new world and it is, exploring. And, and there's cool Western influences as well. So it's not like completely alien. And the people are amazing. Everyone's super friendly. Gosh, um, there was they not do want to sell you a rug. They do. And, and they will, they, they've got their system over there. So unless you uh, really want a rug, I would avoid that particular part of it, but, yeah. um, and they do make exquisite rugs. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, they're but, great. Um, it is a very, uh, I don't really, lots of peddlers on the street selling mm-hmm. things and, and uh, it's actually adds to the fun and the charm though. Yeah. You know, if it's you vibrant. Just know how to, how to deal with that sort of thing. But the, the people, like you said, just so stinking friendly everybody we never felt unsafe one time and we were walking down narrow alleyways you know two thousand year old roads and in between these big buildings and we always felt perfectly safe because everybody looked at us would give us a big smile you know it was just great it was awesome that was cool wow well so my coolest thing was i saved a baby turtle what so we went to mexico tulum in mexico which is really nice totally different to marrakesh agreed um it's kind of like la meets a beachy kind of what's the word caribbean caribbean how do you say it? caribbean caribbean caribbean, caribbean. Uh, caribbean yeah. yeah it's kind of it's kind of uh, la restaurants meet caribbean beachy um kind of vibes and it's it's lovely we lucked out we had an empty hotel with an empty pool and all nice. the attention we'd ever need from staff which was incredible oh that's great uh, but yeah it was like a week of just swimming and teaching a little one to swim and you know digging sandcastles and all that all that cool stuff and incredible food as well. But it was baby turtle season. So they have these little roped off areas on the beach yeah. with a little stake in the ground. And some hotels put a little sign on it saying baby turtles cooking or something like that. <laughs> and then in, at night, they're all like scrambling out and running into the sea. Or well, like when it's dark, like, like yeah. that's when they take. So they, they, they navigate on the, the moon. They see the moon and they run towards the sea. Ah. Or if there's a bright restaurant, they, they go the other way. So this little turtle was running towards the restaurant i managed to scoop him up and put him towards the sea it's so cute it's you're so a hero cool. john you're a hero. i was it in awesome. my daughter's eyes in a three-year-old's eyes i was the greatest man on the planet absolutely yeah for the next day you rescued a turtle remember so, yeah i remember <laughs> yeah it was cool. <laughs> well very cool man um anything got you got going on for the fall coming up 
Um, my plan is to try and buy a building in Cleveland. Oh, building in Cleveland. What kind of building is this? I would like something that's uh, not turnkey, that has value add. I want it to be in a, and I don't know what the technical term is, a cool neighborhood, a trendy neighborhood. That's a technical uh, term, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, midtowny, artsy, I guess class B, class A is probably a stretch, but class B neighborhood, um, 15 plus units, uh, something that is rentable kind of immediately, uh, but with a little bit of a bit of time. Um, it can be kind of bought up, you know, if there's a, additional units that can be built or refurbished or part refurbished, all that good stuff. And then, uh, yeah, those are the, those are the key ones. I think the other, the other sweet spot would be some kind of midterm rental play. So I'm calling it like a flex or a hybrid model, uh, so that a couple of units can be used for travel nurses. So Cleveland clinics, there, massive, um, medical organization with a lot of traveling nurses going in there and there's other pockets around the city. So yeah, that's what I want to do. I don't know if I'll, so, I'll just close to, it this year. Just to clarify, you're talking because you I heard you say midterm. You're talking residential, not not commercial, fifteen units, but residential. I think, yeah, I'm open. I'm open to looking it. for a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. I think commercial, so, probably. Yeah, and and depending on size, there may be a, a fundraising portion. Mm. Um, I'll try and take it down myself, but uh, I'm not a man of infinite cash, so. As, as well, yeah. most of us aren't, right? So there's nothing wrong yeah. with raising a little bit of money. There's nothing wrong with that. So super exciting. I, yeah, I got to know about. So Cleveland's not a market I've ever really looked at. Mm -hmm. So other than the the traveling nurse part of it, what kind of drew you over to Cleveland? So there's a lot of uh, rejuvenation in a couple of neighborhoods. So there's a lot of uh, work going on to uh, bring neighborhoods like uh, Trenton and Shaker Heights are being invested in. They're building. They're putting in new. Um, roadways that kind of stuff there's been a lot of um decline in population and actually that seems to maybe turn it changing a little bit or at least in these these pocket neighborhoods uh it, it was i think last year it was one of the fastest growing uh employment neighborhoods in the oh. country and i think there's a another market south of there that's that's growing pretty quickly as well and where did you find that information? So with was this a like a news article or do you have a resource yeah, a little, for people? So a couple of sources, right? Census data, uh, news articles, and actually, and here's my killer tip, broker um, information and connecting yeah. with brokers and, and talking to broker investors or agent investors or investors that own um, the space. So do, can you speak to someone who knows Cleveland at the back of their hand, as a Brit would say? Uh, they know the market inside out. They can talk to what assets are where, what's good, what's not so good, uh, down to the street of where they would or wouldn't want to uh, invest and where they would have and haven't put their money. And that becomes really interesting. And then the other thing is then the the group I run with. So um, that's what that's how I frame it. But uh, there's a there's a whole cohort of people that you know I connect with. They're, they're multifamily investors. Some of them are syndicators. Some of them do JVs and uh, you know, just talking to to people that are investing in Cleveland and kind of what they're seeing in the market and just getting that kind of holistic picture uh, of it. The other thing I found when I was away is I was using Google Bard to put together like key metrics. That's mm. very interesting. I think you have to um, you have to sense check and review every single number and to not take it at face value. But you can actually go and ask um, Bard, which is their AI, to, it's like ChatGPT, Hey, what are the top ten markets for these metrics, and then these metrics, and can you refine? And it's really interesting. Is That's uh, the future? 
Is Google Bard, I, I know that like ChatGPT, and maybe this has changed since the last time I looked, they were only updated to the end of what was it, like 2020 or 2019 mm-hmm. or something like that. Is Google Bard up to date? Like, do they it have is, yeah. today's information? It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's a big piece right there. I like using ChatGPT just for, for random stuff. I like to argue with it once in a while. And I mean, come on, it's AI. Okay. Who, doesn't, who doesn't like There's to argue? It kind of, kind of tells it. It's a Episode title there. Why Carl <laughs> argues with AI? Yeah. Well, we, we, uh, my kids think it's hilarious because I'm like, you're talking to a robot right now. And this mm-hmm. thing will talk to you just conversationally, just like I can talk to you. And so, you know, they want to ask the funniest questions like how many pugs are in the world and, you know, things like that. And, and uh, so I'd start asking a, a little bit harder questions like things about philosophy or things about religion, you know, just all the real hot button topics you don't talk to people about. And, and you always get the same thing. And then you can tell it things like, I don't want you to respond with this exact same sentence over and over because you keep repeating yourself and it'll reply back and be like, I'm really sorry. I'll try to make my responses more human-like, you know? And that's the scary part. They're really friendly. It's It's so bizarre. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you do. You can't goad the thing, you know, it's never going to get mad. You know, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of a funny, kind of funny piece of technology. Are you trying to confuse AI? Is that what's going on? I tried. I tried so many times and it's, most of the time, it'll either give you wrong information just because it doesn't have anything else. It doesn't have accurate information. Or it'll just say, I'm impartial and I can't give you any opinions because I'm a piece of technology, which is true. But it's, it's actually, it's really cool. It is the future. I agree with you on that. Working in, in that space or working tech, not AI, but everything there needs to be verified. The other thing yeah. that I found interesting is using it to write and using it as a tool to write posts or you know, research things for, for this show, even there's a formula to it Mm. and it actually, it's clever on the surface. And then you kind of dig in and dig in and you see the patterns and you're like, okay, is this really? Yeah. 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 So it's only going to get smarter, right? Yeah. That's the plan for him. Anyhow, we'll, we'll see what it looks like in five years. I mean, it's already made leaps and bounds. So, but yeah, I, we, we've done things like I've used it to help my, my daughter in math, math class. I mean, she's in, she was in the fifth grade when we started using this thing. And I'd say probably five out of 10 times it was wrong. You know, I'm talking like long wow. division or something like that. Cause I'd always double check it just to make sure. And it was wrong. And you can correct it and just be like, no, actually, if you do this, this, and this, the correct answer is this. And it'll respond back and be like, my apologies. You were right. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, yeah, great. Tell whatever. That. Yeah. You Tell that to updates. the teacher. Yeah, exactly. Why were you wrong on this? The AI said that anyway. Um, that's right. So yeah, the collating market information and trying to take, trying to make that, um, I guess holistic is the right word, but trying to take a whole view of that. What's what's your take on that? What do you what do you do? Uh, all the uh, stuff that you're sitting here studying, stuttering, I can't even talk. I do Same. all of the, I do all of the things that you were you were talking about right there, but. Um, uh, for the most part, I want to know, because you kind of talked a little bit about how specific areas uh, can be very different from other areas of the same city. And so by talking to, you know, boots on the ground, which would be realtors, property managers, contractors, um, you know, there's a there's a handful of other ones, but just give phone and, and local businesses to the property. Like, so if you've identified the property already, I like to call those businesses around and just be like, hey, is this a it's a crappy area. And, and most of the time they're pretty honest. Um, they'll just be like, Oh my God, I would never live here. I just make money here, you know, which is great feedback. I like hearing that kind of stuff, but uh, census data is a really good one. I like looking at, I understand that past performance is a poor indicator of future performance, but I still like looking at past uh, 
uh, trends in, in population growth mm-hmm. and things like that. It just, you know, like just something as simple as Wikipedia, looking at their demographics tab, it'll talk about, you know, decade over decade um, population growth. It's just good info. It's nothing I would base an investment on. It's just good info, you know, if, if nothing else. At least you know that people have been consistently moving there for a long time. So it's probably had some sort of stable base for a long time. But you still have to verify, like you said, what's going on right now. And um, I, I've, I've talked about the Milken Institute report here on the, on the show mm-hmm. a handful of times. I really like that. It's a free resource. And if people aren't using the Milken Institute report, there are other ones out there, but this one is just, it's very comprehensive. And they rank 300 cities that are considered emerging markets from one to 300 large cities and small cities as a free PDF. Uh, it's on their website. I, it, it's a little bit hard to find. It's kind of buried in the website. Oh, we'll put a link in. But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll find it and maybe put a link in the show notes so people can see that. But they update it every March. So I believe what the one that's out right now is 2023. Maybe it's April. But they're not paying us to say this either. This is just legitimately a good resource for everybody to check out if you're just kind of trying to shop for, you know, different markets. This doesn't really help you with neighborhoods. That's that's going to be on your own due diligence. But uh, I really like the Milken Institute report. Um, but back to Cleveland, because um, I'm, I'm super curious about this. I, I love talking to people about out-of-state investment just because that's what I do. Um, so business plan, you talked about midterm rentals, but you also talked about you were looking for a building that needs work. Is that right? Uh, not, yeah, potentially needs work or really more if there's a, a value add um, piece. So like, can you build a couple of extra units or is it halfway through refurb and 50% occupancy? Those Those kind of variables rather than this whole building needs starting afresh. I like the idea of that. I just don't know if that's a good idea for the first kind of go at this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Have, have you dug into, I guess, what your process would be for doing a long distance remodel like that? Yeah, I feel like I'm building the right team. So I have uh, investor contact. I have actually have family contacts there, which is kind of cool. Oh, excellent. Um, I have investor contacts there. And I now have some, um, through through investor contacts, have some good leads on GCs as well uh, to give kind of suitable um, kind of advice around that. The other thing that's really interesting is the the broker I've been talking to a lot, and he's he's been. I want to get him on the pod. He's he's really interesting, and he's super gracious with his time. Um, we talk a lot about um, you know how much price per square foot, but also renovations per square foot. Uh, those kind of things so that that gives you a bit more comfort in pulling numbers together um, like how much would it be to you know vault a ceiling uh, rather than add extra uni- units in the attic it may add value there or how much would it be to convert garages into uh, other units that kind of stuff uh, so that's that's really interesting as well yeah I, I love the idea of you know a lot of people like to use especially when you have and I've, I've done this when you don't have history in a particular market you go to google right And you're like, okay, I'll look up and see who the contractors are, who the big players are in the area. And then I'll start reading their Google reviews. And I guess I've learned over the years that a lot of that stuff is is bullshit, Mm -hmm. uh, for lack of a better term, just because a lot of people are getting, you know, their uncles and their aunts and their brothers and their sisters to get on there and and puff up all their Google numbers and makes them look really good, which um, is a little bit crooked. Um, I like reading the review. I still read the reviews. I don't base my decision on them uh, particularly, but I like reading the reviews that say, Hey, you know, so-and-so did my renovation a year ago and everything looks great. Everything's working great. Nothing's falling apart. Those are the ones that really matter. It's not, that's not exclusive to real, to uh, real estate either or, uh, or trades. 
even product reviews and stuff like that. Because one thing I noticed is nine times out of 10, most people go review something either the second they, they get it home or the second the, the contractor gets done building it. But how does the thing perform? How does it work? Same thing with real estate. You know, if you're looking at some, if somebody puts a review, hey, so-and-so just finished renovating my bathroom and did a wonderful job. And then six months later, it's leaking. There's mold on the ceiling, you know, but you don't know that because they left them a five-star review because they of the initial finished product. So uh, it's, there's a lot more to, to, to vetting these people than just looking up reviews. Take reviews with a grain of salt. Uh, what you said about, you know, dealing with some other investors and uh, finding out who they use and who they have a history with is that's gold. That's that's where you're going to find the good stuff. I like that. Yeah, the review piece is really interesting. And I, I'm very skeptical of any reviews. Um, you know, you buy anything online, there's always Bob S says this is the best product of, you know, all that social proof kind of for sale stuff right through to things like the better business bureau is funded yeah. by the people that are the businesses that are being yeah. reported on. It's like, <laughs> Isn't that well, amazing? how does that work? How does that work? So that's, well, quick, that's really interesting. Quick story. And this is not real estate related, but talking about reviews, we purchased a $2,000 refrigerator. This was two years ago. Jeez. And, uh, and the reason we did it was because it had a whole bunch of really good reviews and it was from Home Depot. And it, I mean, we're talking like 4.75 stars out of five, whole bunch of reviews. We're like, oh, it can't really go wrong here. Right. So we buy it two years later, all of a sudden we open up the, the, the freezer and everything's starting to thaw. We're like, oh crap, you know, we got to clean the coils. We got to, you know, so I did all of that stuff. And by the next day, now the refrigerator is as cold as it was. And, um, so I'm like, ah, oh, crap. So now we got to call a repair person, but we thought we were still under warranty called on it and turned out we weren't by about two months. And, uh, so I started looking online. I went back to home Depot and started really reading these reviews and class action lawsuit. I'm getting my refund class action lawsuit. And apparently all of these reviews that were five stars, like I just got the refrigerator home and it looks so great in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then, but everybody else, if it wasn't that, then it was a one-star review and call the claims department. We ended up getting a full refund on the fridge once we mentioned that to the, the people from uh, the company that built the refrigerator. So got all of our money back and went off and bought something else. And, uh, so yeah, take reviews. That's a long way to say take reviews <laughs> with a grain of salt. With a grain of salt, yeah. Thank you for listening to Invest Stories. We'll be back tomorrow with Tuesday Techniques please consider sharing and writing a five-star review. Check out the full show on Friday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.